we're in this series called Friends. It's a new series. Uh, we just started last week. It is called Friends, and we talked about uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Come on. It was a lot of fun. Of course, it was Super Bowl Sunday, so I had all of my sports analogies that I could find, uh, which I have many playing 14 years in sports. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk about those different quotes that I had heard from my coaches in the past. If you missed last week, you can go back on our YouTube and check it out. But uh, we learned that there's no I in team, right? Like we have to do this thing together. It is better to do life together than to do life on your own. In fact, God created us to do life together. And so, in fact, we're going to go ahead and continue in that. And today uh, we are talking about friendship and the title of the message, if you want to take notes, which I encourage that you do, is called Freedom in Friendship. Come on, somebody say freedom. freedom. And somebody say Friendship. Oh, how cute. All right. We can find freedom in friendship. I really do believe that to be the case. And uh, we're going to start off today uh, with something that I would like to call my top list of best friends in TV and movie history. Okay. This is my top list of all time best fictional friends in TV and movie history. Now, I can already hear the murmurs. Some of you think that you know who's on this list. Maybe you're right. But maybe you're wrong. Maybe, just maybe, you might be forgetting somebody that you absolutely know and love. So we're going to go through this list together. My favorite friends of all time, number one, of course, is Goose and Maverick. Come on now, Top Gun, let's go. The new movie was awesome. Okay, it was incredible. But, of course, the original, like the OGs, you know, the, those dudes, they were, of course, the best of friends flying in the air, making stuff happen, all right? The next one, also guys that went in battle together. We have Frodo and Sam, come on. Frodo and Sam, we were just talking about that this morning. Sam had literally no obligation to go with Frodo whatsoever. And yet he went to battle with this guy. He climbed Mount Mordor with this guy, all right? And that's the kind of friend that you want to take with you in your life. He had no obligation to be there, uh, and yet he chose to be there anyway. The next one, thank you for being a friend. Come on, the Golden Girls. Let's get it. Come on now. Them old ladies, I'm telling you, they will talk up a storm. They will gossip. They will have some fun. All right. Like, and they're just a blast. Okay. I actually grew up watching Golden Girls. I, I really just love the show. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, my mom and grandma loved it too. And so I would watch it with them as a kid. And I just thought they were so funny. So uh, number four, come on. Tell me if you guys know this. Uh, sing it with me. All right. Ready? Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Come on, yes. We have Timon and Pumbaa, the most unlikely duo of all time. And yet they're here on this list on my top fictional best friends list. Number five, another fictional one. We have Marlon and Dory. And of course we have a song with this one. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Okay, you already know the song if you've seen it, okay? Uh, another situation, Dory had no obligation to tag along and they are a very unlikely duo. Uh, one of them is extremely forgetful. Uh, the other one's very negative. The other one's very positive. They're just like the most opposite kind of people. And yet they just find this bond and friendship over swimming across the ocean to find this guy's son. It's just amazing, amazing. Next, of course, we have the great Han Solo and Chewbacca. Come on now. I, I almost, I, I want to do the voice right now, but I feel like I'll mess it up. I don't know if I can do it. Should I try it, Joey? Okay, I don't know if I can do it. 
It's not bad, right? That's actually pretty good. I haven't done that in years. Anyway, all right. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed with myself there. That sounded pretty good. Okay, anyway. I was Chewbacca for a second. Okay, Chewie. All right, anyway. So, of course, we have Han Solo and Chewbacca flying across the galaxies that are far, far away. But then last but not least, we have my personal favorite. You cannot have a list of best friends without having these two guys on it. And who are they? You got a friend in me. Come on, somebody sing it with me. You got a friend in me. Come on, you already know it. It is, uh, I was about to say, okay, Buzz and Woody. There we go. Woody and Buzz Lightyear Star Command. All right. So uh, these dudes are the best of friends. Uh, once again, they become friends in a really odd way. And, and they get separated for a long time. But they realize man, how much they love each other and need each other as best friends and these are great fictional friends. I love all of these groups, and I've watched all of their shows and their movies and everything. And even Oakland, you know, we'll watch Toy Story 1, 2, 3, and 4 a little bit. I'm trying to get him more into it. He's kind of more a Cars guy right now. We got Mater and Lightning McQueen. I forgot about them. Oh, my goodness. Mater and Lightning. I should have put them in here, too. An amazing duo as well. But uh, one of these days, I'll get him more into Toy Story. But uh, these are great fictional friends. But do you have a friend like this? Do you have a friend like this? Um, you know, there's Sam who climbs Mount Mordor and goes to battle. Like there's Dory, swims through shark-infested waters. Like did not have to even be there. And Woody, he's just that guy that's always there for you, right? And they're always there. And, and that's why he's that guy that says, hey, you've got a friend in me. Hey, I'll be your friend. You're my friend. Anytime you need anything, I am there for you. And there's a leadership quote that I think is really pertinent to this conversation we're having this morning. And it is this, it says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Now, that is a great leadership quote, but in fact, it did not start that way. It's actually derived from scripture. Uh, it's in Proverbs 13, 20. It says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you are walking with people that are wise, you are naturally going to become wise simply due to the proximity that you have with those people. This is a big part of what this series is all about. If you get around good, godly people, people that love God, love their family, love their kids, love the local church, who do you think that you are eventually going to become as a person? You will become somebody that loves God, loves your family, loves your kids, loves the local church, and loves others around you. You will naturally become that person simply because of your friendship and proximity with other people that are like that. That's why it's so important to get in community and to get into the house of God even on a Sunday morning like you guys are right now. So congratulations, you've already done step one. There we go. Um, but who you choose to associate with is going to affect your life whether good or bad, there's no way around it. If you have trash friends, your life is probably going to become a little more trashy, all right? If you have great friends, your life's probably gonna get better. It's just how it is. We know that to be true. And yet sometimes we don't always pick them so well, do we? We have those friends out there that are a little crazy, but we make excuses for them all the time. But listen, you need to audit your friends list. See where you're at on that Facebook list. You got like 4,000 friends. Let's cut that thing down a little bit, all right? You follow 2,000 people, let's cut that thing down a little bit. Uh, and let's see where we're at. Because man, if you realize that your life is going the direction you don't want it to go, it could very well be because of the people that have influence in your life. So 
when I've gone through hard times in my life, I definitely have been grateful to have some incredible friends to help me get through those times. They've helped me get through to the other side when I have gone through the hardest of times in my life. There's those people that are there for you in the valley. Those people that will go through all of this junk with you. They'll go through the hard times. They'll sit with you and be a shoulder for you to cry on when you're really dealing with some tough stuff. They'll be that person that even when you have an argument with them and you have a disagreement with them, man, they're not going to just throw you off to the side, but they're actually going to help you. And we're going to, hey, we're going to work this thing out. We're going to figure this thing out because that's what true friends really do. And the friends that are with you in the valley, I'd like to propose to you this morning, are the friends that you should bring with you to the mountaintop. Amen? Because if you can't be with me in the valley, then you certainly do not deserve to be with me on the mountaintop when I'm doing so well in life. Why would I bring you up there with me to celebrate when you can't even be there when I'm having a hard time? Listen, how many celebrities and famous people that you have seen? You've probably heard stories like this at some point. How many of those famous people, they got all that money, and NBA players and NFL players and, and movie stars and, and pop stars. They got all this money and all this fame and all this great stuff. And they got everybody all around them when they're on the mountaintop. But when they come through a hard time and maybe they lose all their money, what happens? All those people start to disappear. And you know what? They a lot of times go into a deep, dark depression and they have anxiety and they're wondering where everybody went. But the reality is, is they were not really there for them in the first place. They were just there for what they could offer them. They wanted to have the piece of the fame. They wanted to have some of the money. They wanted to go on the cool trips and be on the, with the paparazzi taking photos of them too. Like that's all they cared about. They were not true friends. And the Bible talks a lot about friendship. And I really do believe that through friendship with godly people, you can find some freedom in your life from all the things that you might be dealing with. So uh, before we really get into this, let's pray. And then we'll have a good conversation. Father God, I thank you uh, for this amazing day today. I thank you for every person that's here. Would you open up our eyes, open up our ears and our hearts to what you have for us to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So the title, like I said, is Freedom in Friendship. And first point, if you'd like to take notes today, is friendship brings growth. Friendship brings growth. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, as iron sharpens iron, you probably know it if you've been here for a while, so one person sharpens another. And I love this verse, and I feel like it's a great verse to talk about, especially as we're starting rad groups again. But a lot of people, when they read this verse, this is how they read this. They'll, they'll be talking in a conversation, somebody will be like, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, like we just gotta get in community with one another. We're just gonna sharpen each other. It's gonna be great, right? We're gonna get in community. We're gonna get in a group. We're gonna love on one another. It's gonna be wonderful. Like, oh yes, I love community. I love some hot gossip with my friends at the coffee shop. That's what I love, spill the tea, girl. You know, no, that's not what community is. That's what we think it is. And we say, we're gonna sharpen each other. And that's really not what sharpening is at all. It's like, oh, I love community. No, what you're really saying is I love hanging with my friends, right? Like that's not the same thing as ironing, sharpening iron. Listen, have you ever seen an actual sword or a knife be sharpened before? Have you seen what that looks like? Because it is not some cutesy, you know, fartsy little thingy that's like, oh, this is so nice. You know, this is not, no, that's not what it is at all. It's not pleasant. Sparks fly. It's loud. And it strips the rough edges of the sword, making it smooth so it will cut properly. Now, don't tell the school district that I have this, but I have a knife. 
All right. Illustration. All right. So here we go. So have you ever sharpened a knife before? It's not very easy. It's not very smooth necessarily. It's, that's not very pleasant, right? It's kind of an annoying sound. It's not something that I would be like, yeah, I would like to listen to that all day long. No, no, no. It's like, ooh, community. Yes. Like, no, that's not what this is about, okay? When you sharpen a knife, what are you doing? You're actually taking off the rough edges and you're making it smooth. If you've ever seen a craftsman make a sword, they have to go through a rigorous, rigorous process with that thing. It doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't become sharp quickly. It takes time. It takes a lot of effort. And it makes it smooth so it will cut properly. And here's the deal. A good friend will strip you away of all of your rough edges and help smoothen out the areas of your life that are keeping you from your destiny. Because what is a sword's destiny, right? It is to cut. What is a knife's destiny? What is its purpose? It is for it to cut. And you were also created by a craftsman. I don't know if you knew that or not. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Carefully knit together in your mother's womb with purpose. The destiny on your life to live for Jesus, to live free from sin and to be victorious in your life. Come on, that's what Jesus wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And we all have destiny and purpose on our lives. And yet so many times I feel like because we don't have good community around us, our, we, our edges become a little rough. We're not able to fulfill the destiny that God has for us. And maybe, just maybe, if you had a good friend in your life, that could actually help to smooth out some of those edges that could sharpen you a little bit here and a little bit there. You'd be able to accomplish the destiny and the plan that God has for your life a little bit better. But here's the deal. No one likes true community. Can I just be honest with you guys? No one likes it, right? Uh, we think that we like community. We talk about community, like I said before, that's how we kind of talk about it. But real community is not just this cutesy little thing. It's actually getting into the dirt and getting into the mud of each other's lives. It's having arguments and being able to come out on the other side, still friends, right? That's real community. It requires some big fancy word that no one likes to hear in church, accountability. It requires you to actually know so much about the other person's life and be so involved and invested in their life that you know when something's going on with them even before they tell you. And you have to be able to call that thing out in them as well. But listen, it takes two knives to sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron, right? It has to be the same. We're in this together. And Proverbs 27, five through six says this. Some of y'all about to, we're gonna get through this. Here we go. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now that is a stinger right there, my goodness. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. When everyone in your life is applauding you, hey, you're, doing, you're just amazing, you're doing great. Everything good, yeah, awesome. Hey, love you, man, you're awesome, you're great. When everyone around you is applauding you, I would watch out. I would be so scared if everybody was telling me that I was doing amazing all the time. Why? Because a true friend will have no problem calling out your junk. They won't have any problem with it. 
And hopefully you have that level of friendship and accountability with someone where you can do the same thing for them. And you know that it's not gonna end your friendship if you call somebody out on the stuff that's going on in their lives that you know is not God's plan for their life, that you know is not the destiny that they have on their life. Or maybe they're just interpersonally in different relationships. Man, maybe they really messed up something. You'd be like, man, what did, why did you do that, dude? You better go apologize to that person. You know, like what is going on with you right now? That's what a true friend really is. And it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A true friend would be like, hey, listen, man, I know it feels like I'm cutting you right now. I know it feels like I'm a sword, right? I'm this, I'm this knife and, and, and I'm cutting you. But as iron sharpens iron, listen, I'm not cutting you, I'm, I'm sharpening you. There's a difference between cutting and sharpening. I'm just sharpening you because I care about you. Like I want you to succeed. I want you to step into the destiny that God has for your life. And man, the way that you're going right now, you're not gonna get there. And you know it, I know it, because I know you well enough to know that. Man, listen, we got to talk. We got to have a friend's intervention right here. All right, we got to figure something out because this is not working. But listen, not everyone can fill that role in your life. You already know that. Like not everybody can be that sharpening person for you. And it's just not possible. But many times we try to place people in a sharpening role uh, where they are not made of the same material as you. Now, I don't know if you know this about sharpening and, and, and knives and swords. Like some, if you did know that, it might be a little worried. But anyway, so sharpening has to be done with the same material or stronger. You cannot sharpen something uh, with, uh, you know, I couldn't sharpen this knife with a piece of wood, right? It's not gonna work because wood is not as strong as this knife is. And the same way I could not sharpen a diamond with this here. Spoken out a little bit, it's a little scary. But I couldn't sharpen a diamond with this because this is not, in fact, strong enough to do so. If you want to get sharper, you have to get people in your life that are going the same direction as you and that they are stronger than where you are currently at or they are at the same level that you are currently at. They're going the same direction as you. They want the same things as you. They have the same values as you. You cannot go to your crazy friend from college and ask them to help you in your marriage. Like, it's just, like why? Why would you do that? Like, they're still out partying, drinking and smoking all the time and just doing crazy stuff. And you're like, hey, I'm really having trouble with my kids. Like, they don't even have any kids. You know, it doesn't even make sense. And so listen, you have to get with somebody that's sharper than you or about the same, one of your peers. Hey, we're kind of in this together. We're going the same way in our walk with Christ and our family and, and values and everything. Get with those kind of people because you cannot ask somebody that is less sharp than you to try to sharpen you. It just doesn't work. And so the next point that I have for you today, along with this, is check your circle. Check your circle. Not everyone can be your best friend and not everybody should be your best friend, all right? I am an extrovert, if you cannot tell. Uh, so this is tough for me. I would love for all of you to be my best friends. Like that would be amazing if I could have everyone be best friends with me and I'll be best friends with you and we'll all be sharpening each other and accountable and like we'll hang out at coffee. We'll go have lunch and we'll hang out with the kids and everything. I'll go to all your kids' baseball games and everything like that. Our kids will hang out with your kids. Like I wish I could do that with everybody, but I just can't. And you cannot either. You cannot do that with everybody in your life. And, and all the intro, introverted people out there are like, man, you crazy? I am cool with my one to two friends, all right? Come on, all the introverted people said, amen, very quietly, very quietly. There are levels of friendship and access into your life 
And we have these different levels, whether you know it or not. And I want to bring up something I brought up a couple years ago when we did a series on this. Um, it's called Dunbar's Number. It's a very interesting uh, picture, actually, as well. You can go ahead and throw the picture of that circle up on the screen. Thank you so much. Uh, in the 1990s, it was a British anthropologist, Robin Dunbar, and he came up with this Circles of Friendship. It's very, very helpful if you look at this. It's kind of these circles that go from the, uh, from the middle all the way out. And this is simply just showing the different people, groups that you might have in your life. The intimates are the one, one and a half, all right? Basically, that would be your wife or your husband. And then that half of a person that, you, I don't know why it's one and a half, but, you know, there we go. You have your one best friend, maybe, and then your spouse or something like that. You have your close friends, maybe a group of five, and then you have your best friends. About 15, you could probably have around 12 to 15 best friends. Good friends, friends, acquaintances, known names, and it just goes out from there. And you can have up to 5,000 known faces. Think about your Facebook uh, friends, you know, the people that you just barely know and you might have friend requested them or you might follow them on Instagram, but like you barely know anything about them. That could be the 1,500 to 5,000 range. Now, this is very, very important because Dunbar basically suggested in his research that you can only be good friends with about 50 people. You cannot go past that 50 mark. And if you try to go past it, it's not going to work and there's going to be some problems. But also, if you don't have that 50 mark, if you don't have that kind of circle and, and maybe that all those circles are a lot smaller from you, then there also might be some problems. We'll talk about those in just a minute. But what I want to show you is that Jesus actually modeled the perfect friendship model, right? Jesus' circle of friendship, it's right here. He had a hundred plus followers, probably a couple hundred at some times, and up to a few thousand would come and, and visit with him and he would preach to up to a few thousand. But those were, of course, the known faces. That was just the people that he would just kind of see in passing. But he had about a hundred, 200, 300 followers. Uh, you know, some people argue on how many he had at any particular time. But then he had also the 70 to 72 disciples, depending on the translation that you're getting there. 70, 72 disciples. Not the 12, but there was actually more, including women, okay, different people, all right? But then he had the 12 disciples, which we would call disciples, but 12 apostles, all right? And then you have the three close friends, Peter, James, and John, and then one best friend, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he actually introduced himself in the book that he wrote as John writing, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, what kind of confidence do you have to have to introduce yourself like that? Come on now. Man, that's amazing. But this is Jesus's model here, his circles of friendship. And so it's not just something that's, a, uh, you know, uh, some kind of study that was done. No, actually, Jesus was the one that modeled this for us. And you can see all throughout scripture, it says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you what? Friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus himself calls these guys his friends, not servants, friends. And if you look at his inner circle, it's very interesting what he does differently with the 12 than he does with the three and then he does with the one. Jesus took his inner circle on some special outings. It's in Matthew 17. He allowed them to witness his greatest glory in Mark 9. 
his deepest temptations when he was struggling so much. He was in Mark 14. Jesus prayed with his inner circle in Luke 9. He taught them things that he did not teach the others. Very interesting. The three, he taught them certain things that he kept from the 12, from the other nine. That's in Matthew 17. Jesus even introduced the three to his heavenly family. They were able to see um, some people that had already passed on. It was a very, very crazy experience. And that's in Matthew 17. And then John, of course, is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he was the one that was given the vision of Revelation and was able to write down all of what we know in the book of Revelation. So Jesus could not sharpen everyone. Take that for a second. Personally, while he was on earth in human form, right, cannot sharpen every single person. He understood that. He knew that. Not going to be able to reach everybody. But he did know that he could sharpen a few. And if he would sharpen them well enough, that those few would end up going on to change the world. So Jesus' model, it's not about just reaching everybody immediately, but it was really more about how can I invest in these 12? How can I invest in these three and in this one and let them invest in others? And then the reaction would spread out. And even, of course, what we know about Christianity today, billions of people are saved, healed, delivered, and set free by Jesus and by his blood because of what started with the 12 and the three and the one and the 72 and beyond. So Proverbs 18, 24 says this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to check your circle today because as the number gets smaller on that list and on that, those you know, circles that go in and out, as the number gets smaller, the importance of those people get higher, right? As the number gets smaller, the importance of the people get higher. And I would actually argue as well that the character of those people, uh, that becomes very, very important. As it goes out and farther beyond, you know, if you know somebody in your 4,000 that probably isn't, you know, the greatest individual, well, you're not really close with them. The level of access that you have with them and that they have with you is not the same as somebody that's in your three or your five, right? So it's not like it necessarily matters. But if you put that person into your three, now we probably have an issue, right? So the importance of those people and their character gets much higher as it goes down. And it says here that a man of many companions may come to ruin, if you have too many people in your life and too many people have great access into your life, you might have a big problem on your hands. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This verse is not just about Jesus, but it's honestly just about, hey, we have friends in our lives that actually sometimes become family and that become like brothers and sisters to us. So I want to go through what happens if you have too many people in your inner circle and then what happens if you don't have enough in your inner circle. And then we will close in just a bit. Too many people in your inner circle, what is that going to lead to? It is going to lead to burnout and disappointment every single time. Burnout and disappointment. Why? Because you cannot sustain that many close friendships. Dunbar proved this in his number. Jesus proved this by dealing with only the 12 for the most part. Of course, he had the 72, but mainly he was with the 12. You cannot sustain that many friendships because why? Someone or something is going to suffer. Someone will be neglected. Someone will get their feelings hurt. You do not have enough time in the day to sustain that many friendships. Uh, Rachel, who is our youth director, she puts it this way. I only got 10 coins, all right? I have 10 coins to give out every day. 
And at the end of the day, if I've given out 11 or 12, then man, somebody is suffering somewhere. Either I'm suffering, they're suffering, my work is suffering. For those of you in school, my school is suffering. Whatever it might be, there is going to be something or someone that is going to suffer. And you'll disappoint somebody along the line. I guarantee it, I've tried it. I'm too much of an extrovert. I've tried it too many times and I've realized I cannot be friends with everybody. Even everybody in this room. Man, I wish I could be friends with all of you guys and hang out all the time. It's not going to happen, all right? You cannot be friends with each other, not all of you. It is not going to happen. But what you need to do is to find those people that you can be friends with, to find those people that you just click with and just click with them and just hang on to them, right? And then those other people will find somebody as well. And that's the whole point of Christian community right there. And here's the deal. If you have too many people in the inner circle, the last thing I have for you here is that not everybody in your inner circle should be there, all right? You need to do an inner circle audit. Audit your circle. Check your circle. Who is in it? Because if it is not the right people, you will not, I repeat, will not accomplish the destiny that God has for your life. You will not. And I know that sounds harsh, but it is biblical. The people that are around you are influencing you, whether you want to believe it or not. You might think that you are the influencer. Good for you. You're not. All right, like we are all influenced by people around us. Maybe you are the person in your friend group that is the most of an influence, but that's not where it ends. You'd be naive to say that I'm not being influenced by the people around me. So what is the number one component of a winning team, a winning family, a winning workplace, winning anything? Any kind of team effort it requires one thing, and that is trust. You have to have trust with those people that are around you. And if you cannot trust those people with your entire life, if you can't trust them with your kids, if you don't want to leave them with your kids because you know that they're just going to get them into some kind of a trouble or like, you know, everybody's got that crazy uncle out there, you know, but like if you, if you can't leave your kids with them, if you wouldn't trust them with your bank account and your finances, you know, like you got to just be honest and audit these people that are in your life. You have to be able to trust them with everything that you have. And the next thing, so that's too many people. What, what if you don't have enough? What if you don't have enough people in your inner circle? Well, then you might end up struggling alone. And I don't want that for anybody. Here's the deal. When you push people away for too long, when somebody invites you to hang out and you say, oh, I can't, I got this going on. Okay, all right, you know, whatever. They try to invite you to hang out again. A couple weeks later, something like, hey, we got a barbecue. You want to come? And you're just like, no, nah, I can't. You know, I'm sorry. You got a lot going on the kids or this, that, and the other, whatever. You know how it is. Like, we're all busy. I get it. After so many times, though, what happens? They stop inviting you. Because obviously, you know, you don't care about the friendship. And that's fine. We cannot say yes to everybody. But if you push people away for too long, they'll just stop trying. And if you do that with everybody, then you'll find that you'll end up very alone. Number two, it's we all need people to live life with. You know, God said this himself. It's not good for man to be alone. We talked about this last week. That's why he made Eve. He does not want you to be alone. And of course, our verse here is Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Here's the deal. If you do not have enough people in your inner circle, what ends up happening is now you don't have enough perspective from the outside. 
You don't have enough people that are close enough to you to call you out on your stuff. You don't have somebody that is maybe well-versed in finances or maybe you don't have that person that just has an incredible marriage with their wife or their husband that you can go to. And you need people with different strengths and, and they have different weaknesses, but that's what the body of Christ is all about. That's what friendship is all about. We all work together and lift one, each other up. And man, if, if I don't have people in my life that are not better than me and don't have more wisdom than me, then man, how am I ever gonna grow? So if you only have two or three people in that inner circle and, and maybe even just one, some of you are like, I don't know if I have any people in my inner circle. Listen, I'd encourage you to get somebody in it, not even just for your own sake, but also for theirs. Who are you discipling? Who are you sharper than, right? That you are sharpening in your life. Because it's not just about us, right? The whole point last week, we said there's no I in team and, and teamwork makes the dream work. And that goes with all of our friendships. And man, you need people in your life that are not just sharpening you, but other people that you are stronger than that you can help to sharpen. Whether that's a younger person or maybe that's somebody that's actually a peer, but man, they're just going through a hard time and you need to be able to sharpen them in that moment as you are getting sharpened by somebody else. So you have to have enough people in your inner circle. And I don't want anybody to struggle alone, whether it's you or whether it's somebody else in your family. And the last thing I have for you today is that friendship brings healing. It does. James 5, 16, it says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's powerful and it's effective. Another translation. Some of the best moments of healing in your life will not come while you're sitting in church, but on a friend's couch. That's something that I have really come to believe. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. You know, you could be here right now and you could find incredible healing. Spirit of God can move, touch your life. Man, just an amazing healing experience. But if you have something that you're struggling with in your personal life, maybe a sin or uh, you know, a thought pattern or in a relationship that you're dealing with, we're not dealing with that right now. Like you and Jesus can deal with that. Man, we can pray for you at the front here if you need some help or something like that. And you can have a five, 10 minute conversation with somebody. But man, that's something that really needs some time. I'm having marriage problems. Okay, well, we don't have time right now to fix that and to talk about that. But you know when we do have time? When you go over to somebody's house for lunch or for dinner later, you go to somebody's rad group and man, you get that moment, right? We were talking about where you get to hear those people's stories and then you lay hands on them and you pray for them and you ask God to heal them in that moment. And we get it all out and we talk about it. We confess our sins. We confess all the stuff that we're dealing with in our lives. And then we just talk about, man, I got this going on and I'm really struggling right now, guys. I need prayer. And then we can gather around and lift you up in that moment. That's why community is important. That's why getting in a group is important. That's why your inner circle is important. My story, it's very similar. And this is how I kind of came to this conclusion here is that, you know, when I was struggling in my late teens and early twenties, trying to find my way, there was a moment where me and Pastor Tim and his wife, Emily, who's running audio right now, we sat on their couch and we talked some stuff out that I was really struggling with. I was able to come to them and say, guys, I am just, this is not good. In fact, they even called me out on some of the stuff that I was going through and dealing with. And then I was able to go to my pastor at the time and say, you know, pastor, I'm struggling. This is not good and I need some help right now. 
He was able to encourage me. My parents were able to encourage me. And I had those friends in that inner circle, those people in my life that were able to pull me out of the junk and to sharpen me when I needed to be sharpened. So confess your sins to one another. Man, you might be saying, I don't have a friend like that. I don't have somebody that I can talk to like that. Well, you need one. Get one as quick as you can because it might be holding up your healing in your life. And I don't want your healing to be postponed because you don't have somebody in your life that can pray for you and lift you up and help you to pull you right out of that pit. We all need that person in our lives. I don't know who that is for you. I don't know who that is, but man, you gotta find that person in your life. And here's the problem, okay? If I can just be honest, church is wonderful. All right, I love coming to church every Sunday and I wish that you would too. But at the end of the day, it's such a, it can be just so fake. All right, let's just be honest. Can we just talk about that for a second? It can be. And like, we're all just putting on a face and like, everybody's okay, everyone's fine. And you know, I love that our church is a place where I do honestly feel like that people can be vulnerable. I will say that. I really feel like that Radical is a place where we, we try to foster that community of like, we really care about what's going on. You don't have to just say when somebody says, hey, how you doing? Good. You know, like you don't have to do that. And I get there's some level of social cues to that. Okay. You can't just be like, how you doing? Everything's terrible. Oh man, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. And you're just like, I'm just getting my coffee. I was about to go into church. Like I got to check in my kids. Like I didn't really, you know, want to have that conversation right now. So I get there's some level of that and that's okay, all right? Like that, that, you don't have to, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, can you be real with somebody? Like, are we able to do that with each other around here? I hope so. I want you to have that. Because if you can't be real with somebody in church, then what is the point? Like, why are we even here? Just to say, oh, great, let's worship God and have all these problems in our lives and never talk to anybody about them. That just seems so, just why would we do that? And yet that's what we do so many times. And so I believe that some of the greatest discipleship and moments of healing happens outside of this room right here. And I need you to understand that. I need you to believe that. And not just to get you in a rad group or something like that, but listen, outside of rad groups, I'm talking about at your workplace. I'm talking about with your family, with your friends that are outside of this church. Find community that can lift you up, that you can lift somebody else up and sharpen somebody and be sharpened by somebody. Amen.